are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Tuesday, everybody. The Timberwolves completed a nice comeback win against the now 4-13 and Atlanta Hawks on Monday night. They avoided falling below the 500 mark for the first time this season in what was, I, I, I think describing it as nice is probably the best way to say it. It wasn't particularly impressive. There were some good individual performances. They were down by 10 at half, and so they needed a second half comeback. So that does matter, and that's, uh, that's a positive thing, I guess. Uh, but it's never good to fall down by 10 points to the Atlanta Hawks. So all things considered, we'll take the win. Um, we're going to spend most of today's episode talking about that victory, the studs from the game, the duds, although there really weren't many from the Wolves perspective, and perhaps most importantly, the rotation tweaks that Ryan Saunders made to the starting lineup. So before, and then also during the game, as the game went on, kind of adjusting on the fly with who was playing well and who wasn't. I think that's something that Saunders has a really good pulse of, um, versus some of the past Timberwolves coaches that we've seen in the recent past, I guess. Um, and I think he does a better job with those in-game adjustments, at least in terms of the rotation goes. Um, the jury's kind of still out on some of the uh, the strategic adjustments that he makes during the game. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's talk about Wolves-Hawks. Um, the Wolves did welcome back Robert Covington, who had missed Saturday's game due to personal reasons, and also Josh Okoge, who had missed the previous Saturday's game, played in both games against the Jazz, and then missed this last Saturday against... Um, Again, two of the lose to the Suns. Um, so he had missed two of the last four games, but he did play in this one. He came off the bench. Um, the Wolves, of course, were still without Shabazz Napier and Jake Lehman. And also Travion Graham played after he sat out Saturday's loss, officially with the DNPCD, but apparently he had some sort of an arm contusion or something, and the Wolves just held him out completely on Saturday. But he did a good job on Monday and was a key part of stopping Trey Young, which we'll get into here in a moment. The first thing we need to talk about is the Timberwolves starting lineup, which was extremely unconventional. The Wolves went a, a few games this earlier this season when Jeff Teague missed, I think it was four games, with a uh, with an illness, and Shabazz Napier was already out, and the Wolves went four games with Culver and Wiggins starting in the backcourt and without a, a true point guard. They went ahead and did that anyways, even with a healthy Jeff Teague, and for the first time, well, I guess it was the second time Teague came off the bench, but that that was his first game back after illness. So for the first time with a completely healthy Jeff Teague, the Wolves chose to start a backcourt of um, of Culver, Wiggins, and Travion Graham, and that with Robert Covington at the four. So an extremely, um, essentially a, a, a big in Towns and four wings in this one. Um, Wiggins essentially functioned as the de facto point guard. He uh, was on the, but of course he played a lot of minutes with Teague as well. So in the starting lineup, Wiggins was was basically the point guard, ran the Wolves offense early, and it went really well. The Wolves made 10 of their first 11 shots in this game after missing what felt like everything against the Suns on Saturday. Almost, literally almost everything went in at the start of this game on Monday against Atlanta. Um, 10 of their first 11 shots, they made, I think it was their first four or five threes of the game. They actually finished shooting 15 of 35 for me on the arc, which is just a hair under 43%. Um, so just a really good shooting night. They got to the free throw line, they made their free throws, and that was all on display early. Um, Towns hit two threes in the first quarter, and that was really his only his only major contribution early. It was mostly the Wolves getting open three-point looks for Wiggins. Um, Covington made one early. Travion Graham made one early. And the Wolves were just were just 
making open shots, which is exactly what they weren't doing against the Suns. Now, the Hawks aren't a good defensive team, but the fact that the Wolves were A, able to generate those open shots, and then B, make a decent number of them, that was enough to 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 allow them to build a lead. They led 38 to 30 after the first quarter. And then the second quarter, the wheels kind of came off. I did, I did want to point out that at the start of the second quarter, it was pretty interesting. The Wolves, after finishing the first quarter, I think with all reserve players on the floor, or pretty close to it, they started the second quarter with, with four starters plus Gorgie Jang. So Towns remained on the bench for the Timberwolves at the start of the second quarter, which is something that, that Saunders has been kind of playing around with. Um, a lot of times teams, and, and the Wolves used to do this with Towns under, under Thibodeau, was Towns would come out of the game before the end of the quarter and then rest for the first few minutes of the next quarter to give him that extra, the quarter break plus either side of it. Um, but the Wolves have been taking him out early or I guess middle of the first quarter, allowing him to rest, bringing him back to finish the quarter strong and then putting him back on the bench to, to start the second quarter. And that's been working out pretty well. In this case, the four star, four other starters returned. So you had Covington Wiggins, Graham Culver and Gorgie Jang who played an outstanding game and the Wolves Early, we were able to stem the tide. I think Saunders waited a couple ticks too long to bring Towns back. By the time he did, um, the Hawks had had retaken a lead um, and actually didn't give the lead back up until partway through the third quarter. Um, the Wolves really struggled to close out the first half, which, which was a little bit alarming, um, and they trailed by 10 at halftime after getting outscored 34 to 16 in the second quarter. Um, so a, a rough close of the first half, but the entire second half belonged to the Wolves. Towns really came around. The Hawks began doubling him in the post. The Wolves were getting him tons of catches in the post. And then he he started passing the ball out of the post um, really shockingly well. I mean, I guess it shouldn't be shocking at this point, but it's something that Towns has continued to improve at. And there were two or three passes out of double teams in the post where Towns found open shooters on the perimeter and the wolves actually made the majority of those shots. He also, um, in a couple of instances was, was took his defender off the dribble and then made a pass across court pass, um, to an open shooter. There was one late in the game that basically, that basically sealed the game. Um, he, he drove on the right side of the floor, got into the paint, found Kata Bates D up in the left corner for an open three, and it extended the Wolves lead at the time um, to to whatever it was in the fourth quarter. But it was a key play that was um, exciting to see Towns, you know, locked in like that. He somehow ended up shooting the ball 19 times from the floor. It didn't really feel like it. He missed a couple of point blank shots and uh, and was finally fouled a bunch in the game and in, in a game and was nine of 10 from the free throw line. He had eight assists in this one um, and was three of eight from beyond the arc. So the second half was a lot of towns. And then Wiggins really came on, came on after a relatively slow start. Um, he played a lot more with Teague towards the end of the game and and Wiggins ended up being a, a team high plus 13 on the night, had 25 points on 19 shots, three of six from beyond the arc. Um, so both stars really kind of kind of uh, turned it on in the second half. And there were a number of supporting players that played really well. And get, we'll get more into that here in a second. But overall, just a, a good performance from the Wolves. It was good to see them kind of come back from from a disappointing loss to an even more shorthanded Phoenix Suns team on Saturday and have, have a, a positive win against it's a Hawks team that had lost six in a row, but it was still on the road. The Wolves were still relatively shorthanded and, and still had some adversity to fight through and, and had been struggling themselves of late. So this was absolutely a good win um, for them to get. All right, next up, we're going to talk through um, studs and duds, which, spoiler alert, is mostly studs. Um, but we're going to do that, and then we'll close with a with a, a wider view at the rest of the season. Um, so we'll be right back with with studs and duds. All right, we're talking studs and duds now. 
from Monday's game against the Hawks. We already talked a little bit about Carl Anthony Towns and just how well he played in this one. He backed up his great performance on Saturday in a losing effort against the Suns with another great performance on Sunday, excuse me, Monday evening. He only attempted eight, eight three-pointers in this game, which we can actually say that now he's averaging nine three-point attempts per game this season. So he was actually below his season average, shot three of eight, which is right in line with his season average from beyond the arc. He did attempt 10 free throws. He was very active on the glass in this one, which was necessary. He struggled a little bit from in close in the post. Um, the Hawks big men, and, and especially, somewhat surprisingly, Bruno Fernando, who came off the bench, uh, is the rookie second-round pick that has been in the G League for part of the year um, for the for the Hawks, played really well in the post against Towns, played solid defense. And he was really, I mean, Alex Len didn't play that much in this game and isn't a great post defender. Um, he, I mean, he's fine, but there, there really wasn't, shouldn't have been that much other resistance. The Hawks didn't have anybody that pulled down more than seven rebounds in this game either, although they rebounded fairly well as a team. So Towns had the opportunity to be dominant in the paint. And while he struggled from around the rim, he was active. He had five offensive rebounds and, um, and ended up with only four, four personal fouls in this game, which isn't too bad for him. Shot eight of 19 from the field, nine of 10 from the free throw line. He had the eight assists that, that I referenced already. Did have five turnovers, but he was passing out of the post in in a lot of different scenarios and finding open shooters there were a couple of passes that were just unbelievable there was one where he was on the left block this was in the first half and he found Kate Bates the app open in the right corner from the left block and and essentially waited saw a cutter that wasn't quite open saw a um, I think it was Josh Akogi in the right slot kind of Briefly bluffed a pass there, made the defense shift just a little bit, and then he fired a pass to Bates Diop in the right corner. Bates Diop hit the three. Then in the second half, my favorite pass that he had was when he was also in the left block and saw a cutter flashing to the rim. I'm not remembering who it was now. I think it might have been Wiggins, um, but it could have been it could have been Travion Graham um, flashing to the rim, made a bullet pass through three defenders, perfect pass, and, and actually maybe a little bit more dangerous than it needed to be, um, but a perfect pass for a bucket at the rim. And, um, and then I also mentioned, I had already mentioned his off the dribble assist to Bates up in the left corner towards the end of the game. But there were several of those that just stick out in your mind as, as outstanding plays. Um, and it, it was an example of how Towns is improving his all around game and learning how to lead the team, not just as a scorer or rebounder, but you know, accentuating his best talent, shooting threes and scoring in the post and being aggressive on the glass. And then also that, that for the wolves to go where they need, where they want to go, which is a playoff spot. Towns is going to have to be ultra active in passing the ball. He's going to have the ball in his hands a ton and he's got to be not just a willing passer, but also a smart passer. Um, he's always been a fairly willing passer. Um, but, but it's often been the difficult passes that he's trying to make or he's rushing things. And he showed a lot of patience in this game. And that was really encouraging. Andrew Wiggins. It, oh, also, by the way, Towns only played 32 minutes. He was able to get a couple of extended breaks because Gorgie Jang was playing so well. So good on the wolves to get him some extra rest. Towns had played heavier, I think 39 minutes or something against the Suns on Saturday as they were trying to come back in that game. Um, Wiggins did play a team high 36 minutes, didn't really have these, you know, massive moments where it was like, oh man, Andrew Wiggins is, is really good this year, but he was solid throughout and was strong late. He had 25 points on 19 shots, three of six from beyond the arc, four of six from the free throw line, six rebounds, just one assist, but he did have a couple steals and only two turnovers. And I mentioned earlier, he had a team high plus 13. He ran the point with the first unit, 
played off the ball a little bit with the second unit, was was active in the pick and roll again, was going downhill towards the rim more often in this game than he was the last couple of times out, which was encouraging to see. And he was also not bashful in pulling the trigger from beyond the arc and effective when he did so. So another good game from Wiggins for sure. Um, was really was really impressed by that. Jarrett Culver also had a really good game. He only shot four of 11 from the floor, but was a plus eight on the night, had 14 points, five rebounds, had two, maybe even three strong drives to the rim where he was finishing through contact and, you know, getting a quick first step, getting his shoulders past his defender and getting to the rim. He, he's really done a, a solid job finishing at the rim in his rookie year for a guy who doesn't look like he has that much upper body strength. Um, he's been able to kind of, I think his length has helped a lot um, when he's being guarded in a lot of cases by opposing point guards early in the game. The opposing teams will stick the, the their point guards on Culver, even if Wiggins is handling the ball primarily, um, or at least that that that's probably that's certainly what happened in this game and that's certainly what what Saunders is um is banking on I think in moving Teague to the bench and we'll talk more about that here in a minute um other also want to call out uh, Jeff Teague off the bench he had eight points eight assists he did shoot the ball eight times but was over three from beyond the arc but at least he was willing to shoot it and then Kate Bates Diop had a second straight great game he didn't need to play that much um he well he still had 24 minutes which I guess was was uh put him right in line with the rest of the the wing players on the team. Um, but he had 13 points, five rebounds was five of eight shooting plus 10 on the game. A couple of blocks. Um, one of them was really impressive. And then he hit two corner threes. So once again, Bates Diap showing that he can knock down corner threes and that could be, you know, if he plays 20 minutes a game and, and is a rotation player and can knock down a three or two a game, then that's a valuable player. Um, so it'd be interesting to see as the wolves start to get the likes of, uh, of Jake Lehman back into the rotation, what that's going to look like. Um, notably, Noah Vonley didn't play for the second time in, I think, three games um, and uh, didn't play at all on this one, just was a DNPCD because Gorgie Jang played such a strong game, had three three-pointers himself, Gorgie did. He was had 13 points in 16 minutes um, and was strong in the post as well. And uh, if Gorgie keeps playing like he is and if Keita Bates-Diop can play some backup minutes at the four, then Noah Vonley may be out of this rotation and he could be the guy who ends up getting moved at the trade deadline and not somebody with a bigger contract like Gorgie Jang or not one of the uh, other more uh, more traditional wings. If Keita bates Diep can play backup minutes at the four, Covington's your starting four and Gorgie Jang is your your backup center who can also play the four, then you don't need Noah Vonley. Um, and he's got an extremely tradable contract. He's still a good player. Um, so really interesting to see what how that shakes out as this rotation continues to evolve over the, the early stages of the season. All right, last, I wanted to talk briefly about what I think Saunders is trying to get at with the rotation tweak and then take a broad view at the rest of the season and what I think, um, I guess we're at the 20% mark in terms of games played. What I think is going to be the final result and how I might adjust my preseason prediction if if I would even adjust it at all. I feel like I'm, I'm tracking pretty well, but we'll talk about that in a second. First up, I wanted to mention Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. If you're listening on the go, and you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, let's talk a little bit about Jeff Teague heading to the bench. Uh, we found out after the game that Jeff Teague and Ryan Saunders had multiple conversations about this possibility, and apparently they're at least crediting the decision to Teague, or at least the suggestion to move to the bench, as the second unit certainly needs 
or needed a little bit of scoring punch, especially without Shabazz Napier available for now three weeks. And, and who knows how this changes when Napier eventually comes back with what was apparently only a strained hamstring. Um, but he's he's remained out. It At least as the Wolves are currently constructed, the second unit just didn't have anybody with a consistent scoring punch. Jake Lehman was the closest thing, and he had a, a season high. like He had 22 in his last game before he got hurt. Um, and, you know, had the ability to score as a cutter and as a shooter from beyond the arc. But Josh Okogie isn't somebody who's going to score off the dribble with frequency or efficiency in, really at all. Kata Bates-Diop, maybe, but, you know, he wasn't in the rotation previously, and, and he really needs somebody to get him the ball in opportune spots. Um, no Vonley certainly wasn't somebody who was going to score. It just, it the second unit did need a little bit of that punch, and by... Wiggins played so well in Teague's absence and in the absence of Napier earlier this year that clearly the Wolves just want to get the ball in Wiggins' hands more and, and force him and Towns to be ma- the ones making these decisions to facilitate because they're just more dynamic players than the likes of Jeff Teague or Jordan McLaughlin, for that matter, who played backup point guard for a few games when Teague was out. So it makes a lot of sense in that Wiggins and Culver and Towns are going to have the ball in their hands more often with the starting unit, and then Teague can take over with the second unit more, bring a little bit of of shooting and hopefully some scoring off the bench, and just add a different dynamic. And as Jim Peterson pointed out in the Fox Sports North broadcast, Teague will now be going against second-line point guards too, and and those are guys that Teague should largely be able to dominate. And he can still be part of the closing lineup as he was against the Hawks on Monday. So interesting interesting move, and, and who knows what happens when Nate gets healthy, which you got to believe is in the next week or two, hopefully, um, because th- this this is a fairly deep team, and that's the only way they've been able to stay afloat despite all the the nagging injuries. Um, which actually is a perfect segue. The final thing I wanted to touch on is now that we're past twenty percent of the season, we are what seventeen games in. I'd like to talk a little bit about whether or not we need to adjust expectations, um, and whether or not I'd like to adjust my preseason projection. Um, in terms of a win total. I projected the Wolves to go 42 and 40 on the record. Their Vegas win total was 35 and a half. So currently the Wolves are below pace to, to win 42 games based on their current record. I know that their game about 500, but their point differential is negative. And so their, their Pythagorean record is really about eight, nine, 500 ish. So they're just a hair below a 42 win pace right now. Um, but they're still pretty easily above the 35 and a half win pace that Vegas had set for them. So I guess all that to say, I wouldn't adjust my projection. I, I still think 42 wins is attainable. It's probably not going to be a playoff spot in the West, although as of right now, it would be, um, or at least their record currently. Them and the Suns are kind of hanging around that bottom spot. And then below them, you know, the Kings are a game and a half back. And then there's a, another game drop to a bunch of teams with only six wins, the Thunder, Pelicans, Blazers, Spurs. And there's plenty of reasons why those teams won't necessarily be in the picture. Um, it's another reason why that loss to the Suns hurt so badly was it would have been really nice to have that have an edge on that tiebreaker. Um, but at any rate, the Wolves uh, are on pace to win those 42 games, just probably not um, probably not with ease, and it, it may or may not be a playoff spot. So reasons why they might improve on that pace and get better is they're be- they've been bad at home so far. That's number one. Um, they've been three and six at home. They were really good at home in the Jimmy Butler years, despite struggling on the road, and that's kind of flipped this year. They're three and six at home, six and two on the road. Part of that's due to opponent. They've had tougher opponents at home. 
but there really isn't any rhyme or reason why they should be so bad um, on their home floor. So that that should adjust a little bit. Also, there's uh, the team has been banged up, as I mentioned a minute ago. Towns missed two games due to suspension. Wiggins missed three games to illness and personal reasons. Napier's missed three weeks. Now Jake Lehman is on three missed games. Akogi's missed a couple games. And I know that the Wolves aren't the only team to be banged up, but it's just been this weird kind of cascading. And perhaps it's the Wolves' medical staff being a little bit more cautious than maybe in the past or than maybe some other teams. But it's been like a you know a cascade of of these minor injuries. Nobody other than Napier has missed more than three or four games in a row. Um, Teague had missed four games as well, um, and uh, the one position where the Wolves couldn't really afford the injuries, they got them at point guard. And and maybe in the long run, having Wiggins and Culver handle the ball more frequently and initiate offense more is going to be a good thing. But it certainly impacted the Wolves early in the season. And then also all the other reasons why you'd expect a team to improve. The players will get better. They'll get more used to their new scheme. Um, and, you know, they, they actually haven't played. And this is one of the reasons why they may not get better. They haven't played that many top tier teams in the West. So there are still some tiebreakers out there um, that the Wolves can get a leg up on in in, uh, in early season, early matchups against some of these teams. Um, so that segues me perfectly into reasons why they won't be get better is their schedule has been relatively easy so far this year they have played um of the top six teams in the west they've only played the nuggets once they've played the rockets once and the jazz twice they have not seen the lakers they have not seen the clippers or the mavericks that's three of the top four teams in the west they also open the season with six or maybe seven um um matchups against against Eastern Conference teams and for the most part have done well, although there were a couple of, of kind of, you know, bad losses in there. But, um, you know, they've beaten the likes of, of Brooklyn and they beat, they split a couple games against the Wizards and they beat Detroit on the road. They beat Charlotte on the road. Um, they haven't actually played teams like the Knicks and the Cavs and, and also bottom feeders. But for the most part, the Wolves have been playing kind of middling teams throughout the season. They've done okay against the best teams. They beat the Heat without Jimmy Butler. Um, that was a nice win. They lost to the Bucks. So um, it, it's not like it's been strictly bottom feeders so far, but the major, the, the main point is that they haven't played those top tier teams in the West against whom they'll have three or four games throughout the season. And so they, they have plenty of those games still out there. And if they, they do well in them, obviously that's a good thing, but, um, it's also going to be plenty of opportunity for some losses to pile up against the Western Conference. And that's one of the reasons why the Wolves were projected to be a high 30 win team instead of a low 40 win team is just the depth in the Western Conference is so crazy. Um, so that's that's probably the key reason. Also, there haven't been any major injuries, and knock on wood, there won't be. Well, there's been there's been this this parade of injuries, more minor injuries to role players, and Townsend Wiggins have each missed a couple of games. There haven't been any major injuries to, to their best players, um, whether it be Towns, Wiggins, Covington. Um, that hasn't happened yet, and, and hopefully it won't. But but that's always that's always a possibility. And then ultimately, this team they shoot a ton of threes, and they just don't have enough three point shooters. And that's the biggest concern, and and probably the biggest on court reason. I've mentioned a lot of like schedule things and and home and away and all, all those things. But in terms of talent on the court, this is still a good team, and they're probably a better than five hundred team when fully healthy. But they need 
you know, they need one of these 32% shooters to be a 39% shooter, um, to, to magically flip one of those guys or something, you know, maybe two of them. And then this is, this is suddenly a, probably a 45 win team. If they can just knock down a couple of extra threes per game, um, that would make a huge difference in the long run. And that's probably the biggest concern in terms of on-court talent and what we can expect from the Wolves throughout the rest of the season. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for listening once again to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. We'll be back. We'll be back on Wednesday morning to preview Wolves Spurs on Wednesday evening. Get you into your Thanksgiving holiday, um, and then take a quick peek ahead at what is on the schedule. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.